Hey, good evening, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to my channel, 509 Divine Pines. It's your host, Joseph Daniel Pena. Today, I will be discussing magic, psychic abilities, and stones, things of those natures. So let's go ahead and dive right in. All right, so first and foremost, like I always try to do, I try to provide some proof of legitimacy. And this is right here from the National Library of Medicine, National Center for Biotechnology Information, the scientific and spiritual implications of psychic abilities, the abstract. Since ancient times, spiritual teachers have described paths and practices that a person could follow to achieve health, happiness, and peace of mind. Considerable recent research has indicated that any sort of spiritual practice is likely to improve one's prognosis for recovering from a serious illness. Many of these approaches for spirituality involve learning to quiet the mind rather than adhering to a prescribed religious belief. These meditative paths include the mystic branches of Buddhism, Hinduism, and Christianity, Kabbalistic Judaism, Sufism, and many others. What is hinted at in the subtext of these teachings is that as one learns to quiet his or her mind, one is likely to encounter psychic seeming experiences or perceptions. For example, in the Sutras of Panjali, the Hindu master tells us that on the way to transcendence, we must experience all sorts of amazing visions, such as the ability to see into the distance or into the future and to diagnose illnesses and to cure them. However, we are told not to get too attached to these psychic abilities they are mere phenomena standing as stumbling blocks on the path to enlightenment. In this article, we describe the laboratory evidence for some of these remarkable phenomena and their implications for science, mental health improvements, and peace of mind. So, as you can see, man, the government has done a lot of research on this, and they're not afraid to state that these things are real. So, yes, it's likely, uh, you know, pushed down on the side by a lot of people in mainstream society as skeptical. But, you know, if you really go ahead and research a lot of these things in the world, you'll be surprised to understand how much magic is in the world and how much they've really been hiding to you, from you this whole time. Now, let's continue on and onto something even more fascinating that I'm just enthralled with. Um, so this is an ancient text that talks specifically about mm, this type of stuff. And it's very popular because I guess it's one of the lesser known books of Solomon. And anyone who knows about the stories in back of the day, Solomon is very um, cool. And there's magic, I guess, is um, involved with it. Ars Notoria, an ancient text that teaches superhuman abilities. Since ancient times, man has felt the need to develop supernatural abilities. This is why books like Ars Notoria has been written that talk about these superhuman abilities and how to develop them. So the method, version B of ancient angel magic. So this is 
presumably what may be Enochian or what the ancient study of the angel magic was in the real realms of reality and these ancient societies. See, there's things in our reality that you can play with for the good of enlightenment and produce good, positive, loving things like the pyramids, you know, those healing, wonderful beauties. If you go up in there, you're going to vibrate at such a high rate. You're going to activate all your DNA and you're just going to be so happy and blessed and physique. And you'll, you'll probably heal a few cancers that, you know, were there and magically went away. So, so let's, let's go on. It is believed to be one of the oldest and most mysterious books in the world. The ancient text Ars Notoria is found within the renowned book called The Lesser Key of Solomon. These writings assure that whoever reads and understands the silver tongue will obtain a perfect memory to house inconceivable wisdom. Ars Notoria, the text of infinite wisdom. This book was originally written in three different languages, Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. The original writings of Ars Notoria were so famous that it is rumored that even King Solomon himself used them to become the most wise, talented, and compassionate king on earth. So let me just state from what I can see so far. As we know, there is magical books. Now, if you look at the Bible, there's battle. There's a battle for magical, um, items. If you know about Hitler, that's magical. Um, there's a special type of divinity of knowledge and wisdom that's held within, you know, some of these people in the ancient scripts. And um, it's not just like words that they know. They, they know these higher dimensionalities of magic and... Let's go on. There's a kind of communication ploy in these ancient texts that fascinate many readers. This trick is known as the magnetic experiment, which explains in detail how to use the cornerstone and needles to communicate over long distances. It is said that if two needles rub against the cornerstone properly, the needles will tangle with each other beyond the gap. That is, if one needle moved, the other would also move regardless of distance. If the needles were placed in the circle of letters and pictures, people communicated at great distances by spelling out words. There are many ideas and notions found in the ancient texts that were, or for many, were ahead of the time. So far, there are many known sciences that attempt to explain situations that cannot be understood. According to the theorists, the Ars Notoria is a text that tries to specialize it. In the past, the vast majority of people could not read or interpret sacred scriptures. Okay. And, you know, let's go on to the next slide. And this one ran pretty dry. You know, some of these people don't get into it too much. Like, I would like to. I, I'm definitely going to go ahead and pull up the Ars Notoria. See, I already have it saved. I just got to go ahead and read it. Like, it's a long book. So, you know, I just want to go ahead and briefly talk about this. Now, let's go on to the next. So, you know, if you look at a lot of movies, these dudes hold a lot of magical items. And I'm sure you guys could drop down in the comments what type of magical items, you know, that seemingly would shape alter or help reality, you know, and the world and people. Yeah, drop down in the text below. 
Um, I think I should go ahead and explain in the second article of the Ars Notoria, maybe a little bit more that I had read upon. There was mm, some very, very deep, uh, I think, concepts about this angel magic. Let's see if I had it real fast. So also, do you think what a lot of um, new agists are saying, new agists or, or even modern Christians or anyone with a sense of soul in their, like them, you know, they're really talking about this ancient war and talking about technologies being used and passed down through thousands of generations. Hey, this may be one. This may be one that you may help you. May help me. Okay. I think that loyal reader text will magic. It is said that it allows followers to master academia, greater equivalence and per perfect memory, wisdom. It's been here for several centuries. So thousands, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 years. Okay. And, you know, these things are actually well known to pass on, pass on for thousands and thousands of years. Like you look at the pyramid and you look at these ancient places, these things are still standing. It's because they were made with such brilliance and such a higher form of science that we just don't have. I mean, I, I believe we're getting back to it, but you know, oh, that's it if you're rich. So as you see, it says, the notary art of Solomon showing Kabbalistic key of magical oppressions, the sciences, divine revelation, the art of whereunto is added, the Afrological Kaftim fully demonstrating the art of judicial astrology, rare natural. I don't know, scary to be learned persons, especially seamen, merchants, and travelers. An excellent invention done by the magnetic virtue of stone, love stone, one of those. Written originally in Latin and now English by Robert Turner. So, as you can see, it's very um, highly sought by people who know magic or want to seek these other realms. The Arsenal has one of five books within a grimoire called the Lesser Keys of Solomon, or Clavicula Solomonius Regis. A grimoire is a textbook of occult knowledge, which means to grant the reader ability to cast spells, create talismans, invoke spirits, invoke demons, and perform divination. 
The Lesser Keys of Solomon is an anonymous grimoire that was compiled from other works in the 17th century and focuses on demonology. The five books contained within the Lesser Keys of Solomon are ours, ours, Theurgia Gotia, the Ars Paulina, the Ars Almadel, and the Ars Notoria. The Ars Notoria is the oldest portion of the Lesser Keys grammar. In particular, was not a book of spells or potions, but a book of prayers and orations that are said to strengthen and focus one's mental power by beseeching God for intellectual gifts. Among these intellectual gifts is a concept of perfect memory. That looks freaky. This is a lot of the stuff that they were drawing back in the day when who even knows what that is. The oldest manuscripts of Arsatoria back to the 13th century. However, the texts contained then are dated well back to before the 1200s. So these are just, it's just, it's a book that's keep on being rewritten, but somewhere along the line, they know that it's related to like these Hebrews. Within it, it describes a daily process of visualization, contemplation, or con yeah, and which are intended to enhance the practitioner's memory and focus. Okay, so as you can see, whatever is in it literally takes you to a whole new level. Now, it's the same thing when you read the book of Enoch, when you hear about the book of Enoch, and when you hear about the emerald tablets and when people read the emerald tablets so some of these texts are written in such equity and such um higher grammatical fashion and such um, wisdom i guess and like i i can't even understand in in which way to put it except that it's from like higher dimensional thinking meaning like it is from masters upon masters who are writing the highest level of thoughts. And so when you read it, your brain activates in these certain patterns, these higher level of thoughts, as we know that our brain works in frequencies and you know we have so many different sectors of our brain that being untapped. Well, the way you untap these parts in your brain, um, you have to, use like rhythms and words vibrations and thoughts you know that access these different um lesser used realms in your brain so you know just like when you like hear about a documentary and then like clicks something in your brain yeah it's because literally we have like three trillion plus neurons in our brain Think about it, the three trillion plus nerves, neurons in our brain. You think you're activating every single one? No, like those things have hidden keys, rhythms, and they all have their own little sound and memory to them. Like own it's like a, it's like a piano in our brain. 
We just have to learn how to play it and tune it. And some of these books like this really on that master Beethoven or master level, you know, like, trust me, these things are written by masters. John of Morigny, a 14th century followed the teachings and the instruction of the Oz Notoria. Rather than achieving academic mastery, Moroni is said to have experienced haunting demonic visions. He went on to his own manuscript, Lead Visionum, which he warned people away from the Ars Notoria. See. So. It's just, you know, uh, a battle for these higher dimensional things and are trying to on that. One interesting aspect of the Osnotoria that drawn, draws much attention is an illustration of the magnetic experience. Gus, oh, you touch a certain stone and then those two needles would be magnetically locked for life. So they actually have a picture of it. Um, and a description, I guess. Interesting. So this would allow two people to communicate over long distances of time when they needle in the pattern of letters. And no matter what, whatever you the other person is going to see so you're just constantly back and forth which is pretty crazy I, I wouldn't have a need for a phone much you know if i could send a text but that's that without any explanation would seem very dark but if you have nation for that and you understand like probably just see it's just magic of reality Today, the Sotoria refers to the methodology in shorthand and mnemonics. Such is utilized by scribe Marcus, Tullius, Tiro, Macinus, Quintus, Ennius, and Xenophon. The use of the term Oz Notoria is to describe learning and memorization tools, lending credibility to the idea. This book granted some users the academic. Or perhaps. The name of the book was used to describe the processes without any actual link between the book and the academic success. All right, on to the next slide. Now, as you can see, our government studies it, ancient text study it. Now I'm gonna show you some more fascinating. Pull up this link, please. There we go. Involves himself a lot with these. So 
I'm um, sending this out. Go ahead and share this with your friends or share this on your page. Because this is going to be interesting by the end of it. Like at least maybe an hour or two. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. You know, these psychic abilities are very useful in this current day and age when there's so many people, there's large populations, all these places are crowded. You know, sometimes you don't really want to use your phone to contact someone. Literally, you can tap into your own body and use these psychic abilities. Like, that's proven time after time again. You just have to learn how to use them, right? And I'm just talking about this personally because there's a lot of people who know me in real life that I can, you know, um, involve myself with these psychic abilities. I'm just going to say it like that. I don't even know how else to say it. But there's a lot of abilities that I've been able to tap into just through meditation and the, I guess my experiences with these ETs also. Yeah, which is one thing, too. I guess um, people who experience ETs and people who experience these angles or higher dimensions, they, they permanently lock these abilities. So, like, if you've had encounters, you, you probably have abilities that you don't know much about. You're probably hiding or you're probably just not aware of yet. So let's go on. Five true stories about the military. Paranormal activity research. What if I told you that the Department of Defense and the CIA spent four decades researching extrasensory perception? And that's a picture of the men who stare at goats. Yo, you guys need to go ahead and watch that movie. The men who stare at goats is awesome, man. It talks about the CIA's experiment on psychic viewing on how they remote viewed and psychically used their own mind to try to look into reality, the future, other people's lives and things around the world that, oh my gosh, I've heard hundreds of stories about ex-psychic viewers and CIA uh, psychic blue viewers. And dude, the stories that they talk about, they go talk about Mars. They talk about the moon. Um, now, I don't know how much to really believe as far as, like, all of it. But look, um, dude, these abilities are real. And I know the military loves to tap into these abilities. And I'm not saying all the stories are true that you got to hear, hear about these um, psychic viewers, but... Just know that they're really saying something about these places. Edgar Casey was a known psychic viewer, and he's proven his stuff. Dude, like, they're still finding his proof. Go on through today, you know, in Bimini and in the Hall of Records. You know, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> so, the, the psychic viewers are probably a lot, a lot true than me thing the nieces cycle this thing from the 1950s to the 1990s the military and intelligence communities 
investigated psychic phenomenon and conducted clandestine misses, missions that relied on subject belief to have supernatural powers and competed with the Soviet Union. Oh, please. So hear that, hear that again? They were competing with the Soviet Union in a psychic race. That means they were creating psychic super soldiers. Both sides were creating psychic super soldiers. Think about it in the big picture. It's 2022. What have we been hearing? A whole bunch of, you know, infiltration. And it's probably dealing with people like who are involved in a lot of this stuff. Because they're just making them battle. Infiltration. Phenomena, the secret history of the U.S. government's investigation into extrasensory perception and psychokinesis published in March. Investigative journalist Annie Jacobson explores the bizarre world of government-funded research into the paranormal. The responsibility of the Department of Defense and the CIA is to be aware of what the enemy is working on and to create programs to counter it. Jacobson says, is this the chicken and the egg scenario? Is this the military-industrial complex? It starts with the Nazis, some of whom were obsessed with black magic. In 1945, with the Nazi regime defeated, members of an elite U.S. scientific intelligence initiative called Operation All Souls made their way to Berlin to scoop up as much intel as possible on Germany military projects. In the bombed-out remnants of a villa in an affluent neighborhood in southwestern Berlin, they uncovered a cache of documents and artifacts that were part of the Anunnaki, Heinrich Himmler's scientific organization, which was well-funded and vast. It even had an entire branch devoted to the survey of so-called occult sciences. Um, which I actually kind of did a episode on a few weeks ago. The Vril and the Third Reich. Go check it out. Jacobson writes in Phenomena. All right. Well, members of Operation also were right here, I guess. Uh, look like a bunch of... <laughs> the high-ranking Nazi leader was obsessed with the occult. On Himmler's orders, SS officers raided Germany's occupied territories for artifacts related to magic. Even ransacking museums in Poland, Ukraine... And the Crimea for a mystical text. Huh, why are they over there in you? What do you mean? Oh my gosh, they're over there in Ukraine still. Hey, dude, some of these places have a lot more magic than you think. Nazi scientists at Anunnaki scoured the globe for items like the Holy Grail and the Lance of Destiny, the spear thought to have killed Christ. Or there was ESP. Psychokinesis map dowsy for the paranormal, Jacobson says. V 
movement, the researchers found remnants of Teutonic symbols and rites, as well as a baby school in a corner pit of ashes. Oh man, rest in peace to the baby. We later learned that the Soviets had captured an equal probe of information on the same subject. And when we learned that they were working on this area, you could say that this was the origin story of the psychic arms race, Jacobson says. The Cold War arms race spilled over into the psychic research. Got that organic coffee, you know what I mean? Go get that organic coffee. It's fire. Fire all day. And I got some, um, some dank Alaskan Thunderfuck crossed with Obama Kush right up in this bong. Oh, Washington State, you know, we smoking out here. Hey, hey, light it up on your end, too. Pete, you know what I mean? The Cold War arms race. The United States foray into psychic research took off into the 1950s when it set about countering Soviet mind control, thought to be a legitimate concern at the time. And it was based at least partially off Nazi research and covered at Anunnaki. Both of the U.S. and the Soviet relied on the caches of Nazi research they uncovered, some of which detailed experiments conducted at concentration camps where Nazi scientists pushed human physiology to extremes and monitored the results. I'm not going to lie, dude. With these genetic tags on my eyebrows, I really feel like I've been pushed to the extreme by multiple forces, which is why my life is crazy. Like, just wild. In theory, not really, but, like, some there's some stuff, trippy stuff. When you talk about ET encounters, that automatically makes your life, like, wild. Now the CIA and the KGB would conduct similar experiments, each side arguing that the other side's program required countermeasures to defend against them. So, um... You know, they're just building up their super soldiers like uh, Goku constantly back and forth. They're battling a stronger force, and every time they have to get stronger and better. This fear of Soviet mind control was reinforced by ideas in American prisoners of war reciting communist propaganda. Sheesh, so... These guys were really just uh, trying to get at it and trying to show that they were the bosses. Decorated World War II hero Nina Kulagina was the Soviet Union's most famous psychic, rumored to have the ability to stop an animal's beating heart using psychokinesis, the the supposed ability to perturb matter with the mind. We look back and say now that's ridiculous. You can't brainwash someone. But it certainly looked that way when you watched those old black and white images of those POWs. And Jacobson explains, ex- adding that the government's exploration to the psychic phenomenon began as part of MKUltra program. 
The CIA-backed Mind Control program, MKUltra officially started in 1953, ran well into the 1960s, and involved dosing American citizens with biological and chemical agents like LSD or acid, often without the individual's knowledge. These dudes were roofing the world. Like, honestly, though, there's this story. It's a, there's a documented story about how the military was in France or, or Italy, and they dosed the whole town with LSD in their bakery. So everybody went to go get their bread throughout the whole day, you know, they're thinking like, hey, man, I'm going to go get myself a muffin. I'm going to get myself a nice loaf of bread, some donuts, some bagels. Literally, though, they were all getting LSD and high in their flour. So, like, yeah. <laughs> Yo, the military is known for it. While they were looking into mind research and how to input behavior the mk ultra sub project 58 became significant which is the program to use drugs which they call psychopharmacology to enhance psychic functioning in psychic people it's a real jumping off point for understanding how and why this race against the soviets began and why it's legitimate in many ways so um think about what i had mentioned earlier with the the book of Ars Notoria, how back in the day they knew, you know, these multiple dimensional states. So the only reason the military is doing it and calling it psychopharmacology and yada, yada, psychicness and yada, 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 is because our ancient past already had this and all of our cultures already knew these things. And these dudes are just trying to put it in a lab and box it up, ship it out. And label it this and that, package it right for your ass. And you know, I'm just helping it, helping us break outside the box and realize that there's more to it. Yeah, you know, hey, but let's go on with this. Both the Soviet Union and the US government pointed out to the others research into mind control, counter mind control, and psychic phenomenon in general as justification for the research. There were stories of Americans putting telepaths on nuclear submarines of Soviet mind control rays and a Russian psychic so powerful she could stop the heart of a frog with only her mind. Oh, yeah. So, uh, that time a secretary with psychic powers found a downed Soviet bomber. The government's research into psychic phenomenon often jumped back and forth between the DOD or the CIA, with the program being shut down after inclusive results, only to open up under a new name in the 1970s. The remote viewing program was known in the Department of Defense. Yeah, so, you know, they just, they just shipped it up and sent it over to another place, you know. Remote viewing is essentially the idea that someone can visualize details of distant people and objects through telekinesis. I don't know why they have this house here. It's a creepy building. Oh, that's a, was located in Fort George Meade Army Facility in Fort Meade, Maryland. 
Maryland, a small operation was ran out of the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio. Its chief employed a secretary, Rosemary Smith, who believed she had psychic powers. Most people thought it was bananas, Jacobson says, but that changed in times in emergency, like in 1976 when the remote viewing team was given a whopper of a mission. A Soviet bomber had gone down in the jungles of Africa, and CIA and military intelligence had used every intelligence collection of means available to them, from satellite technology to signal intelligence to human intelligence. But they had absolutely nothing, Jacobson says. With nothing to lose, the military contacted the remote viewing operations at Patterson, and they put the secretary, Rosemary Smith, on the job. And she was able to draw maps that pinpointed where this aircraft was within a few miles, Jacobson says. The cable was sent to the CIA, and they sent a paramilitary team out to the jungle. And near the area where Rosemary Smith said it would be, they saw a villager carrying a piece of aircraft out of the jungle. And that led them to the aircraft. Oh, my God, dude. Like, that's pretty phenomenal, man. See, like I'm saying, you can use these gifts to help, you know. Wow. And I'm um, talking about the men who stare at goats right here, based, you know, based on a real program. Army unit detailed in Jacobson's book known as Detachment G was established by top-ranking officers who were leery about the idea of bringing psychics for research. So they stocked the program from within the Army's ranks. One of the units tasking was remote viewing, and in September 1979, the National Security Council called on Detachment G to use their remote viewing powers to investigate a Soviet naval base. While concentrating on a photo in a closed envelope, one of the unit's members described seeing a building on the shoreline which smelled past and industrial products. Inside the building was a large coffin-like object, a weapon with fins like a shark. A few months later, the CIA received satellite imagery showing the Soviets had constructed a new ballistic missile submarine. Later famous by its NATO design, the Typhoon class. The hulking nuclear sub was known in the USSR as the Akula, Russian for shark. If this sounds like the basics of the men who stare at goats, it's because it is. And guess what? We still haven't given up on this research. Presently, the Office of Naval Research calls this program anonymous mental cognition. Jacobson says, referring to the $3.9 million program funded by the ONR, in 2014, so that was just eight years ago. And, you know, that's really close. To investigate the existence of precognition, which they refer to as a spidery sense. Yes, like in the comics. So I'm telling you, dude, they're trying to help us tap, untap uh, and unlock these abilities. You guys just have to be ready. And you guys just have to start researching because we have these in our own bodies. In 2006, Army Staff Sergeant Mar Martin Richburg sent something odd about a man at a cafe in Iraq. After clearing out the patrons, he discovered an improvised explosive device that the man left behind. Whether it was instinct or something more, researchers are understandably curious to see if there's a way to trigger the kind of insight.
Whoa, look at that. So these dudes are doing, you know, this is just what they're showing you. Remember, this is this is just what they're showing you. I'm like, if you can imagine the test that they do with Neuralink and all that higher, higher end stuff, those things are sticking needles in your head. This one isn't. This one's just reading your head, right? So Neuralink is literally trying to stick needles in your head. Or that was the first concept or basis of it. That was the first concept. So, you know, in 2022, I don't know what type of experiments they're doing with themselves. They probably have definitely some type of wires underneath their skins, inside their, you know, head like Neuralink. Because that's what Neuralink is, literally. So don't find that too crazy. Yeah, so this one's just outside the school type of device. It's pretty interesting, right? That that's reading all your brain waves, and you know they can map out so much data on humans across the whole world through these type of programs, which is why they say uh, reality is very cultured, and why they, they call it culture. You know, um, yeah. All right, all right, let's go ahead. I don't want to get too far into that. Non-invasive electro essence philography based brain computer interface enables direct brain computer communicating for training because of the stigma surrounding esp and really having anything to do with the supernatural the nomenclature has changed but jacobson agrees that the research continues and the underlying goal remains the same in essence you have this idea which really became the core and the theme of phenomena which is is it fact or is it fantasy, Jacob says, or will advanced technology, this remarkable system of systems of technology and government has developed, which includes computer technology, biotechnology, nanotechnology, will this rubric of advanced technology allow us to solve this age-old mystery, whether or not extrasensory perception exists biologically? Duh, dude. They're, so I think they're trying to interface it and make it a super, uh, like a, a superhuman, you know, that's what all the books and movies, everything show exactly to them, trying to make us into superhumans without us knowing about it. So that's just my speculation on why they're doing this. Now, continuing on, um, we got more or government proof. I guess, you know, these dudes really love playing with these psychic abilities. Hey, hey, how's it going, guys? Appreciate y'all. Gordium and Chad Smith, yo. Both of y'all. Hey, go check out their podcast. Go check out their channel. Man, Gordium is uh, the super dank bro, and Ch Chad Smith got the paranormal. You know, Gordium's with the video games, and Chad Smith's with that spiritual. All right, so I'm going to continue on. And show you these bizarre government experiments. 
Yo, hello, hello, hello. How are we doing? We still live? Are we still live? Cool. All right. No. Um, I just love talking about these things, dude. Like we alone have more than ten or twenty abilities. Do we humans hard within us vast mental powers beyond our imagination? Are some of us gifted with psychic abilities far beyond the norm? And if so, what does that mean for us as a society? Whether one believes in extrasensory perception, mental powers, or any of the phenomenon that go with them or not, some governments of the world have certainly at some point or another taken notice of the entertainment of the idea. After all, wouldn't such amazing abilities be useful for warfare and intelligence gathering? Governments around the world have sought to try to harness the untapped powers of the human mind with some of the oddest experiments. And I believe talks a little bit more in depth about some of the encounters. So the U.S. Army, CIA, and Department of Intelligence Agency established a special unit at Fort Meade, Maryland, ordered by General Major Edmund Thompson, the Army's top intelligence officer, overseen by Lieutenant Frederick Holmes Skip Atwater, and later on Major General Albert Stubblebine, what would be variously called grill frames, Sun Street, and ultimately eventually fall under the general blanket code name of Project Stargate began here. And one of the main original focuses of the research was into what is referred to as remote viewing. So Project Stargate for them was remote viewing, even though we know that Stargates around the world do exist. So, you know, they're trying to hide the fact that Stargate exists. But I'm also thinking maybe now they use Stargates. Because I know that they were trying to create artificial Stargates, which is what CERN might be, um, to counter the real Stargates from ancient past and ancient antiquity covered by the star people. Now, you know, just to try to battle them. Uh, these dudes are using artificial Stargates to try to remote viewer and such. Or they're just being jackasses and calling it Project Stargate. For no apparent reason, other than just that's, who knows. <laughs> it was not a particularly extravagant affair at first. Poorly funded, ran out of old, decrepit barracks, and only employing around twenty or less people in the beginning. And although there were certainly those in the military who thought it was all bonkers, the organization itself was very serious. Psychics were recruited to the program, who then went under scientific tests of their supposed abilities and programs to try and hone them in order to basically create an army of psychic spies. One former researcher with the program disguised what they did. In short, it involved placing an individual in a controlled, darkened environment, descending him or her into a self-hypnotic trance and causing him or her to vocally describe images and other impressions that came to mind in an intelligence context. The subject would be given some parameters of a target area 
or an intelligence question and the subject's verbalization would be closely monitored. There were a few standout supposed successes within the secretive program in the over 20 years that it existed. In the 1974, a Soviet site called Semipalantinsk, located in present-day Kazakhstan, oh my God, was targeted in a suspicious location by the U.S. government for reasons they did not seem willing to discuss. See, Kazakhstan is actually now in the news, too. Just a few months or weeks ago, uh, it got overthrown because there's some bad leaders in there. And uh, there's some very interesting pictures about Kazakhstan with pyramids and phoenixes and these dudes having like this new world order type reincarnation city uh, constructed geometrically and through its architecture and through its programming. I believe that they wanted to also have cryptocurrency there majorly because, you know, these dudes who have crypto, they can't be tracked, right? So uh, perfect for nefarious agencies. Now, anyways, let's go on. Um, not much known was known about the location at this time, and a remote viewer with the program was tasked with trying to get a peek at what was going on there. The viewer was given the coordinates of the site, after which he managed to draw a layout of buildings and surprisingly massive crane, and stated that it seemingly be a facility for perhaps housing missiles underground. Oh snap! Amazingly, satellite imagery would confirm this. So. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating, right? These dudes are constantly using these psychic powers and getting results. In 1976, the remote viewers were tasked with the mission of trying to track down the whereabouts of a downed Soviet bomber. Okay, I had read this one. Now, in another instance in 1979, a man once only known as remote viewer number one, who is actually called Joseph Mick Eagle Joseph. Hey, my name. Blessings ah, to the Most High. Under deep hypnosis, described what he saw at the coordinates given to him by his handler. He explained that he could see a low, gray, windowless building wreathed in a stench of sulfur, which he then drew onto some paper. The same image would be reproduced independently by MO Viewer 29. So they had these used numbers like fucking tags. Dang, that's dickheadish, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Sheesh. Sheesh. With the two drawn images being distractingly similar and the added detail that the place had numerous pieces of heavy machinery and that there was a smelting of some sort going on, in both cases, the descriptions and drawings closely matched a Chinese nuclear complex called Lop Nord, which was located in those coordinates and which either of the, neither of the men had ever seen with their own eyes, nor had any contact with each other. I never even heard about that place, but I do know China has their hands and everything. They have architecture of everything. They have a large landmass. They have ancient antiquity beyond our belief. A lot of pyramids, a lot of nuclear programs, a lot of resources. They're very high up there. They're very, very high up there. Some of their leaders are very, not spiritually, but uh, anyways, that's beyond the point. In 1987, the remote viewers were used to try and track down the CIA mole. <laughs> that's, that's so messed up. And several of the viewers were able to divine the information that the man lived in Washington, was married to a Latin American woman, likely from Colombia, and drove an expensive foreign car. 
when the mole was found to be Aldrich Amos. In 1994, it was found that he indeed lived in Washington, was married to a Colombian, and drove a Jaguar. Spookily, the psychics had detailed this nearly a decade before. Cases such as these kept the top secret agency going, with the government pumping on estimated 20 millions into the activities. However, for all of these alleged successes, there was just as many failures or instances That things were ambiguous to say the least. Attempts to use the viewers to locate the whereabouts of Libyan leader Muammar Gaddafi in 1986, fugitive leader Panamanian dictator Manuel Noriega after the U.S. invasion of the country, attempts to locate certain weapons of war and efforts to locate prisoners of war still kept after the Vietnam War. Among others, all failed to produce any actionable intelligence or useful information at all. On top of this, despite the occasional successes, there were just too many instances of false positives and vague, confused, irrelevant, ambiguous, or flat-out wrong data to make psychic powers a viable use at the time. This led to the CIA to conclude that the techniques was not worth pursuing for intelligence-gathering purposes. Well, you know... That was after decades of it being proved true. So more than likely what they were probably hap happening was that it was getting too powerful and too many people were learning about it. So they just kind of had to blindly say, ah, you know, it's not working anymore. After 20 years of it working, they're like, you know, dude, let's just hope to forget. We ain't forgetting, guy. We ain't forgetting. Cases such as these kept the top secret agency going with the government pumping an estimated 20 million into the activities. However, for all these, yeah, okay, yeah, I read all this. Holy, yeah, oh my God, sorry. <laughs> Pretty high. Other experiments carried out by the program were those dealing with telekinesis, clairvoyance, and even trying to stop the hearts of animals with the power of the mind, but none of them ever produced consistent reproducible results. So, I mean, as they said, consistent, meaning that they did get actual results, but not to them wanting it 100% of the time, like jackasses. Good. I'm glad that their fucking plans didn't. Um, amidst growing skepticism and lack of clear results and lowering funding, Project Stargate was disabandoned in 1995. Project Stargate was the subject of a 2004 book called The Men Who Stare Goats, and this 2009 film, same thing. In 2003, the long top secret needed to know only project saw roughly 73,000 pages of records, de declassified records, records. Yet, interestingly, a further 17,700 were marked as too sensitive to be released. So, hear that 17,700 classified documents about psychic abilities were marked too sensitive by these softies in office oh gosh so let's just go ahead and maybe use some understanding on what might that be wikileaks dropped a lot of bunch a lot of stuff some of the things were like nephilim and yeah you know what dude let's just go ahead and imagine that these dudes 
were probably pulling out aliens like type of stuff in their recordings and they don't, they didn't know how to uh they didn't know how to handle it which is what i've also heard is that did, okay yeah this starts matching up exactly too where hillary clayton uh was using project looking glass which is a something similar it's an actual item i guess which allows them to see into the future so you don't have to be the person you just have to have the item um and they were getting results of the future that didn't work out for them they're like why why isn't this working the way we wanted to and you know they're constantly being told it's like you don't control the future the future makes itself and they're they're like well what if we do this can we can can we change the future like no matter what they were trying they weren't getting the results in future they wanted to when they were looking to the future so like they eventually just like sacked it they're like you know what it's not working for us screw it <laughs> uh, okay this would not be the end of the interest in the research though and shortly after the 9-11 ooh, the night yeah the 911 terrorist attacks on the United States and the UK Ministry of Defense also pursued the use of psychic powers, namely remote viewing. In 2002, the Ministry of Defense carried out the program to test the validity of such abilities to sense hidden objects such as bombs. During the research, blindfolded psychics were presented with brown envelopes that contained various images such as a knife, Mother Teresa, and an Asian individual. However, while 28% of the participants were able to correctly guess the contents to within a startling range of detail, in most cases, the volunteers were not even close and the project was scrapped. A Ministry of Defense spokesperson would say of the project, the remote viewing study was conducted to assess claims made in some academic circles and to validate researchers carried out in other nations on psychic ability. The study concluded that viewing theories had little value to the MOD and was taken no further. So the Ministry of Defense, MOD. Another interesting alleged program for using psychic abilities was perpetually carried out by the Chinese government in 1981. So the Chinese, the Americans, and the Soviets were all using psychic ability ninjas. And it was, the paper was called Some Experiments on the Transfer of Objects Performed by Unusual Abilities of the Human Body. Shu Wang, 1981. While supposedly a quite serious scientific paper, the whole thing reads like a science fiction story. These things get crazy. According to the report under the supervision of China official National Defense Science Commission, certain gifted psychic children were able to actually teleport small objects from one place to the other, even through physical barriers. I didn't stutter. These Chinas don't play around too much. Some of the objects successfully teleported with radio, microtransmitters, photosensitive paper, mechanical watches, nuts, bundles of matches, pills, nails, threads, horseflies and other insects and in every case the object moved in the blink of an eye from one location to another several meters away without the subject ever touching them a particular interest was a successful teleportation of the radio transmitter which was left on the 
during the experiment in order to monitor its state during the process, it was found that the signal fluctuated to become faint to the point of nearly disappearing during its jump, suggesting that it shifted from its physical reality somehow or was in some altered state. That's wild, bro. So, the Chinese have super soldiers that know how to teleport stuff. It may seem to be pretty far-fetched, but according to the report, this was all done under rigorously controlled conditions and were reproducible with observers from various institutes and representatives from the PRC National Defense Science Commission during the whole thing. In 1990, there was another round of tests apparently done, and the results being published in the China's Journal of Somatic Science, which was carried out, carried out by the Aerospace Medicine Engineering Institute in Beijing. Dude, I don't know about that Chinese experiment. I heard about some of the experiments similarly. Um... But that one's pretty fascinating. There's, I know, yeah, that's pretty fascinating, man. That's making me think. In this case, high-speed videotape was used to record the strange events in which the objects were apparently teleported through sealed paper envelopes, paper bags, and glass bottles. Data retrieved during these tests showed that the objects were transported from within a fraction of a second to several minutes. The video evidence apparently showed that the specimens would simply disappear from their resting place in the container to reappear somewhere else and showed evidence that some of the test specimens melded through the walls of their containers like the Philadelphia experiment. Anybody knows American experiments. In no instance was the object altered in any way after the process, and even living things such as insects made it through without any negative effects or noticeable change. It is hard to know what to make of these findings, but the papers are supposedly quite real. Are there any people who can teleport objects over distance with the power of their mind? And if so, what does the government have in mind for them? Hmm. There can be no doubt that the strange phenomena of the human mind could be tapped for military purposes. To look into an enemy's fortress without even physically being there, to move objects, or in some cases even teleport them out, it is all rather exciting for those with an eye towards war. Hmm, that's true. And it is perhaps no wonder why these phenomena have been so highly pursued over the years. It is unclear as to what extent the successes of which operations extended, and there are still many documents and details hidden from our eyes. One is left with the question of, is any of this being used today? Are psychic warriors an operation behind conflicts that we do not even aware of? Wow, okay. To what extent has any of this research been pursued and it is being covered up? There may very well be last powers lying within us and those who seek to harness and weaponize it. So that was the read on the government. Now, let me go ahead and show you a list of psychic abilities, man. This gets pretty interesting because I read this 10 years ago and 
when I was in my transcendental meditational state of, and I was um, floating through reality. Yeah, I I seen this list and it helped me out, man. It really helped me out. So, first and foremost, astral projection, which is what the government had done a lot of tests on, or mental projection. The ability to voluntarily project an astral body or mental body being associated with the out-of-a-body experiments in which one's own consciousness is felt to temporarily separate from the physical body. Automatic writing. The ability to draw or write without conscious intent. By location, the ability to be present in two different places at the same time, usually attributed to a saint. Dermal optical perception, the ability to perceive unusual sensory stimuli through one's own skin. Divination, the ability to gain insight into a situation using occult lists. So I'm thinking like magic boards or something or just like a name or, or I don't know what exactly that is. Dowsing. The ability to locate water sometime using a tool called a dowsing rod. See, these are, this is all made of electricity. Like everything in reality has not everything, but most things in reality has, has electricity and we can tap into these different electrical states through the different quantum, you know, natures through the way we feel and how well we perceive these energies in electrical states. And, you know, um, our body can go into many different abilities, like many, 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 many different abilities. I'm going to continue on. Dream telepathy. The ability to telepathically communicate with another person through dreams. I'm getting that a lot. Energy medicine. The ability to heal with one's own empathetic or empathic etheric, astral, or mental, or spiritual energy. So, like, you know, they say people can put their hands on someone and heal heal them. Yes, like that. And, alright, so I'm gonna, hold on. The automatic writing, um, let, me, let me give you a reference. Um, that might be for those literary people who, you know, can write masterpieces, and, you know, like Tesla and Thoth and, you know, on the reverse side, or, you know, um, maybe people in the Bible, who knows, who knows. All right. Now, ergokinesis, the ability to influence the movement of energy, such as electricity, without 
direct interaction. The ability to influence the movement and energy, such as electricity, without direct interaction. Um, which is maybe some of the times you've seen in some of these animes and some of the Marvel things, like they can kind of force push stuff, maybe ish. In Star Wars, force push type. I don't. Maybe that's something similar. All right, levitation or transvection, which I have experienced. It was not cool. I don't know if it was from me or from something else, other dimensional. Anyways, the ability to float or fly by mystical means. Materialization, the creation of objects and materials or the appearance of matter from unknown sources. So levitation, people have people have talked about that for many a times. Like if um where people could float and fly through the sky it wasn't it wasn't uncommon back in the day um materialization you know magicians who say oh i can make something appear out of thin air like some people can it's really weird it's interesting because it's like this i don't know i don't know much on how to do that mediumship or channeling the ability to communicate with spirits. I mean, it says it what it is. It's straight out pretty open. Petrification, the power to turn a living being to stone by looking them in the eye. So like Medusa, I suppose. Very interesting. Prophecy. Also, prediction, premonition, or prognostication. The ability to foretell events without using induction or deduction from known facts. You know, people have done that for thousands of years, and it's not an uncommon thing either. Psychic surgery. The ability to remove disease or disorder within or over the body tissue via an energetic incision that heals immediately afterwards. Jeez. You know, that's intense, man. I wouldn't hear about that often, and I haven't heard about that often. And But um, this world is very magical, dude. I don't, I don't doubt. I don't doubt too much. I still I still hold doubt for many things in the world, but there's some things that are undeniable. And some of these magic senses are definitely undeniable. I've used them, I've seen them, I've been a part of them, I've seen other people use them, and you know, the world is ran by this stuff. Cause dude, <laughs> dude, we can't even see all of reality. We can't even feel all of reality. We don't even know all of reality. We aren't even part of being in tune with the reality properly. So how can we even say that these things are not part of reality? That would just be unreal of us. Hmm. Psychokinesis or telekinesis. The ability to influence a physical system without physical interaction, typically manifesting as being able to exert force, control objects, and move matter with one's mind. Psychometry, psychometry or psychoscopy. The ability to obtain information about it person or an object by touch 
Pyrokinesis, the ability to control flames, fire, or heat using one's mind. Uh, Reedy? I think it's called R-D-D-H-I. Psychic abilities gained through Buddhist meditation. Okay. Shape-shifting or transformation. The ability to physically transform using or turning the body's user into anything. Um, that would make a lot of sense about the reptilian shapeshifters. Because look, 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 look. All beings across the world and universe has their own quantum mechanics. And eventually, if they turn evolved enough, they're going to have quantum magical abilities. All different species have all their different abilities. And let's, you know, let's just say that's why these dudes are known as shapeshifters because that's their ability. Now, that makes a lot more sense than just being labeled, oh, yeah, they're just shapeshifters because they're shapeshifters because that's what they are. It's like, oh, wait, now when you start understanding psychic and metaphysical, multidimensional senses and magical senses, you're like, oh, 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 now it all makes sense, eh? You know what I mean? All right, photography, the ability to impress an image by burning it on a surface using one's own mind only. That's pretty fascinating. Xenoglossy, the ability of a person to suddenly learn to write and speak a foreign language without any natural means such as studying or research, but that is often rather bestowed by divine agents. Ah, uh, yeah, that'd, that'd be blessed if I could have that happen upon me. <laughs> um, Literally, like, if you think about these ancient cultures, not at all, at all times, you know, um, were they able to understand each other? And I'm sure this derives from the ancient time, like, you know, being a translator or a messenger and having to learn multiple languages, you're going to be bestowed by the divine agents. Witnessing the gift of being visited by high-profile spiritual beings such as Mary, Jesus, or Furusama from Buddhist transitions. Um, that's for Buddhists, I guess. So if you are seeing divine spirits and higher realm entities, you are a witness. Um, yeah, I guess I am a witness. Extrasensory perception. Extrasensory perception or sixth sense is an ability in itself as well as comp comprising a set of abilities clairvoyance the ability to see things and events that are happening far away and locate objects places people using a sixth sense precognition including psychic premonitions the ability to perceive or gain knowledge about future events without using induction or deduction from known facts remote viewing telesthesia or, or remote sensing the ability to see a distant unseen targets using sensory perception. Retrocognition, the ability to supernaturally perceive past events, which is what Edgar Casey had. And 
Um, I believe I've been able to tap into things in the past. I'm, I haven't done it in a while, but I have definitely seen remnants of the past world and our past worlds here on Earth. Pretty fascinating. Telepathy, the ability to transmit or receive thoughts supernaturally. All right. So, um, I'm, I'm going to go move my laptop real fast because it's dying. So, I got to go. Let me go put it on the charger. So, how's it going, guys? Um, how you guys liking this? The show on psychic and magical abilities. It's very fascinating to understand that all throughout history and at all levels, from scientific and spiritual agencies, these dudes are very much fascinated with the human body, mind, and what we can do and what we can push it to the limit. Um, yeah, it's very interesting, right? Okay. I will be right back. Yeah, so I'm working off a laptop, doing my best. Finally. Finally got my life right, man. Man, I had this crazy dental thing that was bothering me for a minute. Half of my face would have gone out if I didn't have the surgery. It happened that um, a couple months ago. So I've been healing, feel pretty healed now. Ooh, dude, everything's all good. Everything's all gravy. I'm gonna continue on about some powers. Ooh. Oh, man, how do I, how do I undo? Uh oh. Well, I'll have to come back to that link. Here's a little um, some more, I guess, from just, um, yeah, all right, let's go ahead. Kinetic abilities. Kinetic magical abilities change a specific part of the environment around the magical user. Aerokinesis to control air from its pressure to its Direction or wind varies highly upon the individual. Chronokinesis to see into the past, future, or present. Electrokinesis to control electricity from static electricity to creating thunderstorms and controlling lightning. Ferrokinesis to bend, shape, and control iron, an incredible rare ability that is highly sought after. Hmm. Florokinesis to have the ability to invigorate, heal, or harm. Various different types of plants. Geokinesis, the ability to control rock or soil. 
hydrokinesis to be able to control water, photokinesis to be able to control light, pyrokinesis is able to control fire, telekinesis, ability to lift objects, thermokinesis, the ability to control temperature, vitalkinesis, um, the ability to control the speed at which a body heals itself. Hmm. Interesting. So, I guess there's some other abilities. The ability to know the illness that plagues someone, which is called Erona. Um, I guess you can know someone's age. Ability to see other people's memories. All right, I'm going to continue on. This is... I'm pretty much done. And, you know, there's a lot of records about these things. I'm going across all levels, you know... From Buddhists to Christians, you know, there's so many layers to this. So many layers to our body, too. Now, this just talks about a little bit in history and some of the ways that it's been incorporated. As long as humanity has had beliefs in deities, the supernatural, and the power of magic, the use of magic, spells, and curses have featured widely across cultures, very much intertwined with human nature. Such practices have continued to the present day. Archaeological finds show evidence of plethora of ancient curses and protective spells, such as the discovery of curse tablets, talismans, and warding items. The history of curses varies between cold regions and beliefs and times. However, the intentions of the curse has consistently been to conjure a supernatural power to inflict misfortune or punishment on a target. A curse, sometimes called jinx, hex, or dark spell, can be verbalized, written, or sometimes cast through an elaborate The aim is to see harm upon Bad luck may dodge them, take them, or any number of desire things like that. Maybe of a curse is a powerful phenomenon often viewed as summoning the wrath of the gods or the presence of evil forces. It was believed to of those finding themselves cursed could see magic from practitioners, religious leaders, healers, or witch doctors and have the curse reversed through counter rituals or prayer. A way to avoid being cursed in the first place was to possess certain items of protection of warding. So, which is why I say prayer is powerful because I think it's white magic, literally. Like we don't we don't understand the full psychic abilities of our body, but like I've over the night been showing you the list of psychic abilities. That's just what we see, bro. And girls, <laughs> yo, so literally, uh. That's just what we see. Like, think about if they say there's dark magic, like we know it. There is white magic, and it's commonly known that you know uh, the the mantras of good sayings and such help 
in this divine magical way, whether it's from higher dimensional beings who, who hear it, they're like, ah, I like what he's saying. I like that he's, you know, at least keeping a sense of reality compared to a higher dimensional seeing someone who's very hateful. I, I'm sure exactly that's how it is. You know, you would, you know, I would see it if I seen like an ant being destructive or an ant being helpful. I would more than likely help the ant who's being helpful, which is why I really suggest you have to start believing things we call angels and God and such, and mm, that there is like this white magic. We have to start believing it and in order to receive it because those dudes are not going to spend a single second on anyone who them. Okay. Now, the per um you know can obviously be warded off by these oh man these these ads can be warded off by stones and stuff i'm gonna go down and you're gonna see one i'll continue Pharaoh's curse. ancient egyptian curses are probably the most notorious in 1922 when the tomb of pharaoh tutankhamun was open so the movie the mummy and all that that's based on real stories bro these dudes are billionaires millionaires playing with trillionaire level of ancient East cursing us do you get it we have to take this serious. They don't care about us. They're using us as tools to unlock their ancient past. Which is why we have to study and be ahead of them. The mysterious deaths of some of the archaeology team, prominent visitors of the tomb soon after it was open, and subsequent publicity caused a firestorm of speculation as to the power of the curses. Journalists and authors of the day faced. Yeah, man. In reality, deadly curses of in Rome and Egypt are rare, as the idea of invaders or raiders breaching the tomb and desecrating the contents was unthinkable and even dangerous to inscribe. Warnings and wards were more frequently used to preserve the ritual purity of the tomb or for generalized protection. Wikipedia notes that some curses can be found in private tombs of Old Kingdom. One tomb from the ninth. Or tenth dynasty warns any ruler who shall do evil or wickedness to the coffin may a local deity they they put a local deity not accept any goods he offers or may his here not inherit these dudes were very serious and they knew magic too like um Remember, these dudes were like 10 to 20 feet. They probably came from other planets. They had stones and equipment that were known as magic. They knew how to write curses. These things were not a joke. The royal cobra on the mask of common represents the protector goddess. And it was not a curse. Oh, okay, cool. Well, thanks. Curses or the threat of subjects was a clever method... <laughs> 
used to protect valuables. During the medieval period, book curses were widely used and effective at keeping things away from pressing foreign scrolls. The medieval church possessed many of the books, and the penalty for defacing and stealing books was high. Curses written in the tombs warned would-be thieves of dire repercussions such as excommunication or damnation. This practice was used in earliest libraries. The books in a collection at the Library of Nineveh in Mesopotamia were marked in mysterious curses. In what reads is a threat against copyright infringement. One text has the warning. Whoever shall carry off this tablet or shall inside by side with mine own may author and belit overthrow him in a ring. May they destroy his name and posterity in the land. Jeez. The idea of Jesus found in various holy books as in the Christian Bible. The generational curse is one mentioned appearing multiple times. Exodus 25, 334-7, Numbers 14-18, Deuteronomy 5-9. God warns that he is a jealous the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. The recommended way to break the general curse is to repent and fight. Christ doesn't mean you can't do drugs. Or you can't have sex or you can't study ancient antiquity and learn about aliens and read about pyramids because that's what these dudes were doing. These dudes were doing mushrooms and sweet and other stuff and they were having sex and they're studying the scripts. They were chilling out all day and night doing farm work. They were the hippies but were very smart. They were just on a whole other level of vibration and understanding and how to heal transcend and how to do all this amazing stuff like yeah man they were smart the infamous devil's bible manuscript that legend says was written in a single night by a monk and a pact with the devil is said to be cursed and bring misfortune to any who possess it well fuck them for even mentioning it malevolent hexes and witchcraft while his that pre-Christian including the power of both light blessings and curses, the concept of dark curses is now associated with witchcraft and dark spirits. Cursing town of the people of Greco-Roman society attempt to harness malevolent spirits and the wrath of powerful, powerful gods to damn their foes. Binding spells would be scratched into the surface of thin lead tablets. The tablets would then be rolled up, nails were driven into them, and they were placed on the ground. They ended up at the bottom of wells to temple wells or buried with the dead. Sometimes tablets appeared to underworld gods. Pluto, Hecate, or Persephone. Times the text simply named the victim a misfortune or death and, and befalled them. One tablet found in London reads, I curse Tredia Maria and her life and her mind and her memory and liver and her lungs mixed up together and her words, thoughts, memory. Thus may she be unable to speak. What things are concealed nor able. Sheesh. God, I do not curse. Why? Jeez. People, people write these darnest things on stone tablets. I hope none of my listeners ever do that. Jesus. You, you're going to damn your kids for generations, bro. Like, your kids, kids going to be fucked.
curse to found in the description right there. 1,600-year-old tablet curses were found in Italy and recently translated. Reports that malevolent words and frightening images were met spelled to end both a Roman and a veterinarian named Porcello, a drawing of the Greek goddess Hecate, was scratched into a lead plate with snakes writhing in her head. The curse reads blah, 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 evil stuff. I'm not reading any curse anymore. The practice of magic or witchcraft is often associated with cursing or evil hexes. Historically in Europe, it was assumed that it, if it crops, if crops suffered blight or food spoiled unexpectedly, that a curse was behind it. Others' evidence of cursing were horses going lame or milks, cows going dry. Accusations of witchcraft were a, were a product of the tension created by such occurrences. And innocent people were frequently killed as a result of witch trials. With the death of the accused witch, it was believed the curse was broken. So that's that ruby pendant that ancient times that protects you from evil spells. While curses and magic might seem to be the superstition of the ancients, there are many today who still arm themselves with amulets and wards of protection against the effects of curses, which is why you see celebrities. You wonder why these celebrities have certain amulets around their neck, certain stones and certain jewels that are very peculiar and very sacred to them. Um, they know what they're dealing with. They need protection. And which is why I also recommend everybody... To also start studying these things and protect themselves just naturally. It's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Alright, I'm going to go ahead and show now a bit of magic with these elements. And people can see what some stones do specifically. You know, these stones have been because of your um, types, right? And they all have different abilities, different electrical. And our cultures are very. What? doing and they let us know and um just
Ooh. Oh man. Man. I lost my mic for a while right there. Uh oh. Hmm. Hmm. Oh yeah, I didn't recognize that my mic was um was off. Honestly, I need to have have better attention to that. But that's part of the learning process, too. <sighs> hmm. Hey, what was the last thing that you had heard me read, um, Nightmare? That way I can run it back. Cool. It's all good. I'm just gonna go ahead and talk about these. Uh, it's been written down for quite some time about each unique power of stones because they're all running off different scroll frequencies, and because we can't really see reality in full form yet, these stones are these stones all across reality are doing things in multi multi-dimensional state solutions deeper roots and more knowledge of ancient ways the past can bring people it's important to know about the historic path that crystals and healing stones have traveled in order to reap maximum benefits from to from today the history of crystals and stones from ancient to modern time ancient to modern times is the most valuable member members of the mineral kingdom today are the precious gems used in finest jewelry however there was a time in history when the value of gems was based less on market value and more on perceived healing powers ancient egypt ancient egyptians left art and artifacts as records of their belief and use of crystals and healing stones for protection to ensure health they used chrysolite which would be translated as peridot or topaz to drive out Evil spirits and soothe the sufferers of night terrors. 
In their tombs, it is common to see amethyst, carnelian, emerald, and lapis lazuli placed on the body or carved into sarcophagi over the third eye to help guide the deceased to the afterlife. The Egyptians used a prominent and unique style of eye paint referred to as coal, an Arabic word. Lower eyelids were painted black with ground galena, a component of lead. Upper lips were painted green with ground malachite. This use of cosmetics was thought to provide protection from disease, insects, and damage from the sun's rays. Ancient Japan. In early Japanese culture, quartz crystal spheres were used as they sometimes are today to foresee the future. Crystal balls can see the future. Hmm. They revered quartz because legend told it that it was formed from the breath of a white dragon and was a symbol of perfection. Interesting. I had no idea about that with quartz. Ancient China. While highly valued in many areas of the world, it was in ancient China that jade was held in the highest honor. At first, it was prized for color and durability and used in tools. Historians have dated jade carvings as far as back as the Neolithic period, roughly 4,000 to 2,000 years ago. It became known as the Stone of China and the Imperial Gem. It was believed to bring serenity, peace of mind, and to protect infants. The only thing green that comes to mind is uh, bamboo, where bamboo is this super unique thing that also grows, you know, I'm kind of over there. And it grows like four times faster, which I'm just going to say to nature, that's peaceful. Like in nature's eyes, when they're like the flowers look at bamboo, like, wow, that's amazing. Because, bro, that's, that's super amazing. Like, yeah, anyways. I don't, so there must be something with ancient China and their agricultural lands, which is pretty cool. Or something green that's historic. Hmm. I don't know. Some emperors believe that it could make them immortal. Hmm. Interesting. In fact, mythical queen Hsiao Wang Mu supposedly drank a mixture of pounded jade and herbs and is reported to have lived to be several thousand years old. Hmm. The Han ruler Lui Shang, who ruled from 156 to 140 BCE, was buried in a suit formed of thousands of pieces of jade wired together with cold. cold. Jesus Christ. <coughs> jade wired together with gold? Bro, that's like, that suit is so valuable. It's like millions and billions, millions of dollars of suit. That suit would be beautiful. Ancient India, healing stones and gems were an important part of Ayurvedic history. Jyotish is the Vedic astrological system which is used to include Ayurveda. Jyotish astrologers healed physical, mental, and spiritual conditions according to the patient's astrological chart. Each planet was related to stone basically 
Based partly on color, the stones were thought to filter out or counter-effect the effects of the planets and were consequently worn on the body for protection. So I have my theories about like the planets and the quantum alchemical processes with, found within them. I'm going to talk about another day. Ayurveda was used in gem tinctures where gemstones were soaked for varying periods of time. Hard gems like diamonds or sapphires were soaked for a month. Softer stones like pearls or coral were soaked for less time. Tinctures were also made from the ashes of burnt stones and gems. It's important to note, however, that despite these ancient practices, not all stones or gems can survive being soaked, nor are many crystals and stones being <laughs> safe for ingestion. Yeah, it's true. Don't go home and try to, to soak your gemstone or gold and drink it. You, no, nobody. Just go get it from online. Because that monoatomic gold and that monoatomic silver, the collodial silver, the collodial golds, and those things, they do they do work. I took them. I take them. For, been taking them for a while. Well, I, not right now, but I've been taking them for a few years off and on whenever... Whenever I feel I'm just in a need. Um, and they're pretty amazing, man. The, the electrical states found within your body are very, very sharp. Ancient Europe and North America. Monumental stones also play a role in healing and mysticism. Stones arranged in a circle from ancient times are found all over the world. A well-known example is Stonehenge in Wiltshire, England, constructed between 3000 and 2000 BCE. I also live near a Stonehenge-ish. Yeah, it's like 100 miles. Within 100 miles, there is no clear record left from the people of these times. But archaeological evidence suggests that it might have been a place of healing, burial, ceremony, or astronomy. So, most likely, it's healing and astronomy. Some native people in North America use a medicinal wheel, sometimes built of stones. The medicine wheel is a sort of map of life that is used to maintain health and obtain healing. These ancient structures and traditions have varied meanings or perceived uses, all involve a precise, precise geometric arrangement or connection to the sun or other planets. The first book written about crystals and healing stones is credited to Theophrastus, a student of Aristotle. The book Perilithon. Of stone served as a reference of the healing power of gems and was likely written around 315 BCE. In 77 AD, Pliny the Elder wrote Historia Naturalis. This book is a series of books about the knowledge of humans in this time. The last book was dedicated to precious stones and served as a resource in medieval times. For instance, the Greeks recommended rubbing magnetic lodestone on the skin to draw out any pain. This is also likely the first mention of using magnets in healing. Interesting. In the 4th or 6th centuries AD, Christian treaties on precious stones began to be written. There's much in the Bible about precious stones, especially in Exodus and Revelations. There are clear mentions of the stones in the breastplate of the high priest of Israel, the chestplate of Aaron, which is interesting. That was magic, dude. They they put stones in a magical formation and did some wonderful things.
In the wealth of the king of Tyre, and as part of the foundations of the New Jerusalem, biblical translators interpreted the names of the stones based on the information of their times. This resulted in confusion as to what the actual stones were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course, there's always confusion. You know, magical things definitely seem confusing to some people. St. Epiphanius 314 to 420 AD wrote about the 12 stones in the breastplate of the high priest Exodus 28 17 through 21. The author studied references in ancient texts describing the therapeutic strengths of the stones as is done in the Bible, yet still manages to denounce any magical powers. So the Bible has magical powers for real. And this is like metaphysics. It's like they're doing they're doing drugs, they're smoking weed, chilling, talking to God also, and being also of ancient lineage and DNA, tapping into their psychic and divine abilities and their DNA, also tapping into the piezoelectric states of the world and the stones and the gravity, the electricity, the thermodynamical energy of the world, and all that highly physical, multidimensional stuff. You know what I mean? That's what they were. These dudes... These dudes weren't just like peacemakers just by saying no to war. Dude, these dudes could probably shift war within a minute if they tried. Well, <laughs> in medieval times, an important treatise in stones was written by Marbald, Bishop of Rennes from 1067 to 1081. In this work, 60 stones were described as having magical powers. Marbod described the diamond as being able to resolve insanity and nighttime vision of ghosts. He writes that the diamond should be mounted in gold and worn on the left arm, while so much chilling power being attributed to herbs in the Middle Ages, even clergy still honors the potential of stones. St. Hildegard of Bingen, 1098 through 1179, wrote that the stone Hyacinth Likely an orange garnet or zircon should be used in exorcism rituals. Uh -huh. So nice. One was to rub the stone in the sign of the cross on a loaf of bread. And the possessed one would eat the bread to be released from the demon. Um, I'm just interested, like. What do you mean by bread? Like wheat? Like that's most common because I was um I was just playing around with wheat earlier to try to make bread myself and I was thinking I was like this is one of the most ancient things, dude. All they do is put like flour with water, right? But there's more to it on what wheat is, right? Because like so we know the Mexicans worship like Okay, not worship. <laughs> we highly revere, the Latin cultures highly revere corn as being um, connected to the gods. So corn is similar to wheat. And I'm sure wheat is very, very highly connected to gods, the gods, if you kind of get where I'm going with that. Interesting. Interesting. Through the ages, crystals and healing stones were widely used in healing, prophecy, and ornamentation. Their wide appeal continues today. And they're being used in our phones. They're being used in our computers. They're being used everywhere. I'm going to continue on with some of the 